Hey everybody, in this episode of Out of Time, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We also might talk a little bit, and Matt doesn't know about this yet, about Lower Decks. So, we'll see. So, welcome everybody to Out of Time, where Matt and I talk about whatever the hell we want. If you're seeing (laughs) or hearing this, you're going to love it. If you're (laughs) seeing or hearing this, it's because you're a part of the crew. You're a supporter of Trek in Time. And for that, we're extremely grateful. And how better to show our gratitude than by creating a second series for you to enjoy. (laughs) And on this series, we're going to be talking about other sci-fi, other shows, other movies, anything that we're enjoying. And we'll take uh, some brief dips into these things that we're going to talk about. We're not going to be deconstructing them in quite the same way we do the the episodes of Star Trek in the Trek in Time it's going to be a little more off the cuff and a little more just fanboyish. Wow. What are you enjoying? What's going on? So mm-hmm. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I we know from, start starting the show. <laughs> yes. I'm in about. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we have been talking for months now about all these different programs and movies that we've been enjoying and of course, we have Trek in Time where we are doing deep dives into specific episodes, tying them to current events. But as we've been talking about all those things, we've tried to incorporate this kind of discussion into our other podcasts that we've done. And it's never quite fit. So finally, here we have this free for all. And well, these are conversations. This is going to be yeah. a conversation we normally have with each other about yeah. this stuff. We just happen to be recording it now. <laughs> we just have to be recording. We've had these conversations yeah. for years and it all goes back to you know, when we were kids. We grew up talking about all this stuff and, and that hasn't gone away. So this is an opportunity for us to share our nerd boy fandom around this stuff. I just think it's funny that all of this, the buildup to all of this is like, finally, we have a place to talk about the stuff that doesn't fit into our Star Trek podcast. So what are we going to talk about first? More Star, Star Trek. Trek. Let's, <laughs> yes. So let's get into it. We're talking about Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I have just, over the past two days, finally had an opportunity to, to check in with it. Yeah. I've watched two episodes. And you've made comments previously about what you yeah. think about Strange New Worlds. and. I'm just going to give a brief synopsis of what you've said in the past to give it my seal of approval, which is this is the D Abrams vacation of the Star Trek universe. Yes. JJ Abrams, who is a remarkable talent. He is a tremendous television and filmmaker. He does a lot of things very, very well, but what he did with his Star Trek films and the impact that had on the development of a show like Discovery, and you feel it in Picard as well, is there's a lot of action with the intent of it being action. And there's not a whole lot of like, you pull it apart and look inside. There's not a lot going on beneath that layer of action. To it's use his spectacle, his mystery box is a little empty from time yes, to time. Yes. Strange New Worlds strikes me right out of the gate like they took an element from discovery around Mm -hmm. this captain and the mystery box here everybody right out of the gate knows what the mystery box holds it has 
his knowledge of his own future. Everything around that makes the rest of the show feel like it is standing on extremely solid ground. And I am, I am having a hard time really comprehending how much I enjoyed both the first two episodes of this series. I thought, what a remarkable rediscovery of Star Trek. They, I can't recall seeing something that felt so Trek. Mm-hmm. And I am including like Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. This feels like the original series. The original series. It's remarkable. And part of it is it's got that solid footing. Like the mystery box, there's no mystery to it. It's the kernel around which the entire show is built. But what it has, the mystery comes from the cosmicness of what they're coming up against. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in particular of the second episode in which there's this element of a threatening comment on a planet's future, people who are so pre-warp technology that they're living in huts in the desert, and a group of aliens who call themselves the Shepherds who are taking care of the comet mm-hmm. because the comet knows all of that is super duper 1960s sci-fi cosmic. It is just like there Hard are mysteries. Too. There are mysteries out there. You can't comprehend your little human brain. Can't wrap around cosmic truth like this. So don't question us when it comes to our faith. And then underneath that you have Using heat to change the trajectory of the comet, you've got the comet leaving traces of moisture in the atmosphere, which then leads to rainfall on a planet that's bone dry. Like, like, like you said, there's hard sci-fi mm-hmm. in there, but under a cloud of cosmic belief systems that are so future tech, they're no longer science, they're faith. And I'm sitting there watching this and just like, I feel like I just watched the original series. It's really, it's kind of breathtaking. This is one of the problems I think some of the other Star Trek shows have fallen into. It's they, they lose some of that cut. Like you're saying that cosmicness, that wonder, that sense of wonder that's there. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't completely understand this, but we're going to kind of go with it as best we can to try to solve a problem where Mm -hmm. some of the more recent Star Trek series like discovery, um, they tend to fall into that we're going to science the shit out of this. And it's like what they're then doing is they're doing that to us, the viewer of you're just talking about like, how are we going to solve this problem? Well, nanoparticles. It's like, okay, that's the get out of jail free card for them. It's like, it's, so it's kind of like, they're the ones creating the mystery, the the cosmic wonder for us, but it's not working Mm -hmm. where this is, we're relating to them because they don't understand it. We don't understand it. But there's this other thing out there that's saying you don't have to worry about understanding this wonder. So it's like it's a lot more exciting and it, it pulls you in better. Um, it feels very original series, just this sense of awe and wonder and just the other side of it for me of this entire show that makes it so successful is um, I'm blanking on his name. He plays Captain Pike. Uh, Anson Mount. Yeah, he is the perfect cast, the perfect casting, the perfect captain. His sense of swagger and irreverence. Yeah. He is jokey. He's cracking jokes. He's being funny. 
Um, there's, I can't remember if it's episode two or three. I've watched all four of the first episodes. There's an episode where he is completely like, he comes across as like, I don't feel good about this. And it's like, he's wearing on his sleeve. Like somebody's talking to him on the screen, like this other person. He's just like, really? Like he's just over the top being really kind of like, I don't feel good about this. And the uh, the crew is like, kind of like, we can go along with this. And he's like, I don't know. It was just this, he's just wearing everything on his sleeve. And so there's a, there's a, there's an element of that. You may be talking about the second, the second episode because the shepherd, shows up and says you shouldn't be doing any of the stuff you're doing and i will and we will it'll be an act of war if you continue to try to do what you're doing and he is like look i'm really sorry about this but we really want to save those people (laughs) but there's there's a bunch of people who are gonna die if you don't do this and and it's and there's also in that episode there's a couple of moments where people are like well maybe we could do this and his response is this kind of forest enthusiasm that he's just like this is a good plan i like this plan okay let's do this plan this plan's gonna work this is gonna be great and he's yes. doing that kind of like clearly winking at the people around him and the sense of camaraderie and and one of my favorite scenes in the in the second episode was his dinner party where he clearly is trying to engender a sense of like yes i'm your captain you have to do what i say because i'm your captain but that doesn't mean we can't be friends and colleagues and family Yes. And doing it in a extremely overt way. It's a dinner party. And his cabin looks like I couldn't help but think again and again, every time they show the captain's cabin, which is, first of all, enormous. It has a working bar. It has a fireplace. A fireplace. (laughs) When he's in the first episode in kind of he's kind of in mourning for his own future. He is approached by Spock and they have a lovely scene where the two of them are talking about what does it mean that I know my own end? And it's all shot in a very dark room with the fireplace going and he's drinking brandy. And I thought for a moment, I'm like, are they in a 10 forward? Are they in a like that must be like. A, a rec room for everybody on the crew. But then in the second episode, it's revealed like, no, this is his cabin. I couldn't help but laugh and think it reminded me of our flag means death. The yes. Yes. HBO series, which is a comedy, <laughs> which is based on an actual man. I don't know if you knew that about that no. series. It is, it is Reese Darby plays a man who is a landed gentry of the British aristocracy and he's bored out of his mind and he decides that he is going to become a pirate. And so he leaves his family behind. He buys a pirate ship. He hires a crew and he goes out to gallivant about and become a pirate. That is actually a true story. It is an actual historical person. And what he did in the series is actually what this guy did. He left his family. He hired a crew. One of the things that he did in hiring a pirate crew is pirates did not hire crews. Crews earned their money from the looting. That is what pirates did to make their money. So this guy in hiring and paying a crew a salary really kind of took away their motivation to be pirates. But regardless, he also took along his entire library. He had a ship that was decked out for his own comfort first and was a pirate's ship second. And in that scene with the dinner party, I kept laughing to myself thinking like in the future, it's just like in 
our flag means death. It's he's living mm-hmm. his comfortable life and having this dinner party, which the charm of the show in that scene, when Uhura has been told it is a formal event and she shows up in formal attire because she's been effectively pranked by, by the pilot of the ship Ortegas. And as soon as the captain opens his door and sees what she's wearing, he laughs. He's like, ah, formal attire, huh? And he's, I just love the fact that he's in on the joke. He yeah. is like, this is his pilot, and she feels comfortable enough with him to play a prank on another well, deck officer. It, I, I just love the entire, the entire sequence, each, the feel of the show. Each, each captain on all the Star Trek shows, they all have a very unique way of captaining, of being a leader. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is Picard. He's very distant, aloof from the crew. He's very prim and proper. You're not supposed to be friends with these people. You're supposed to be the commander, all that kind of stuff. And he's the polar opposite of that. It's like, he wants to be your buddy, your friend. He's like, let's just shoot the shit and have fun. Yeah. And I love that aspect. And the one thing about this show I was worried about was typically when you have a show like a prequel, it's like, you know, this guy doesn't die or that person doesn't die. It's like, oh, Yuhura's on board. Well, we know Yuhura doesn't get hurt ever. We know that, um, you know, like all these characters that are on the show, like uh, Nurse Chapel is here, Umbanga. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? The yeah. uh, the doctor that was there in the original series as like a secondary doctor mm-hmm. behind Bones. Um, he's the main doctor during this, and I love his character. So it's like we know he's not in peril. We know different. We know some of these characters are not in peril because they're on the original series and beyond. But even though we know the futures of some of these people, we know Pike is doomed. He's yeah. a dead man walking, and, and he for knows me. It. Yeah, And he knows it. And what's so great about this series is it's got that awe and wonder and the Star Trekiness that we all love. And you're talking about that cosmic aspect to it. And he is a dead man walking. So there's this little thread of just darkness to the show where then he has to, gr- he's grappling with that. And as a viewer, I'm on pins and needles of like, I know it's not going to happen in season one, but it's like, there's this, there's this feeling of dread. When's it going to happen? Yeah. When is he? When is his vision going to happen? When's it going to come true? Is it season two? Yeah. Is it season three? How long is this show going to go for? Is it going to be the end of season five? Like, what is the plan for this? And so I'm kind of on pins and needles, waiting for the the needle drop of <laughs> the fiery vision that he has of himself basically almost dying. Yeah. It it's for me. I think that's such. I got to tip my hat for my review. It's like I'm tipping my hat to the showrunners of this specific show. Because when they announced it, they talked about how we're going back to the original Trek. It's not going to be a season-long story. It's going to be these little episodes that are standalones. We're going back Mm -hmm. the way it used to be. I had this worry of like, oh, is this going to be like what they think it was like? And it's going to feel like a a shallow version of the original? To me, I don't think it does. To me, this is like really hitting that Star Trek chord I have not felt in decades. And I'm, yeah. we're watching Enterprise. I love Enterprise, but this feels more Star Trek than Enterprise. This feels Absolutely. more Star Trek than Discovery. It feels more Star Trek than anything we've had in years. For me, it's the most Star Trek I've felt since Next Generation. Because for me, Deep Space Nine did not feel Star Trek. For me, because it was very different from a typical Trek. Voyager. What, what's the other one? A Voyager. Voyager, I enjoyed, but it felt like the CW version of Star Trek. Right. You know what I mean? It felt like a, it, it felt lesser than, even though it was good, um, it, it felt lesser than to me. 
So this, I, I am beside myself of how much I'm enjoying this show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really working for me. I absolutely agree. I think, and I agree with your assessment of the casting. Uh, they, they found pitch perfect people, everybody from the doctor to the captain, the, just the, the feel of the people, the Uhura, the actress who plays Uhura in that second episode. I was just like, what an amazing job she's done of taking a character who was always just literally in the background and had moments in the original series, but to make that character suddenly have this depth to her that I I know more about Uhura now in this one episode than I do from decades of her in the movies and TV shows. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's sad to me that here was this potential great character you've been tapping into and this show on episode two, it's all about Yura and it's like mm-hmm. amazing. She's great. The casting of her is great. The way they're shaping her is great. It's like, it's just, there's so much good stuff to mine here. I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I'm really excited to see where they take it in season two and three and beyond. I absolutely agree. And to follow up on all of that, I'm going to make a recommendation for another Star Trek series. And I never thought that I would be making this as a recommendation because when this show first came out, I thought, are you kidding me? Really? Star Trek Lower Decks. I finally decided to give it a try. And I have to say, if you're looking for a next generation itch to be scratched, believe it or not, this will scratch that itch. It is a little bit like next generation with a few drops of Rick and Morty. Okay. It is especially animation style. You can really, you can really see that in the animation style, the design of the characters, but what it is doing is a set of characters who are the not main guys on the crew. They work, you know, it's in the title on the lower decks of a ship in the next generation era. But it is all about this one character who is named Beckett and she's played by Tawny Newsom. And her foil is Brad, who is played by Jack Quaid. And Jack Quaid is playing a character who is the earnest, I am going to be a starship captain at some point i am going to work hard and i'm going to explore and i'm going to make all these great discoveries and it's going to be amazing to be in starfleet and she is a person who is she's the hawkeye Mm -hmm. she is wisecracking experiential she knows stuff but it's not book smarts she's been out and lived a life and she's having a hard time keeping herself out of trouble And so it's the two of them bouncing off of each other. His earnestness, her lack of self-control get them into trouble. And the comedic elements, it's a little mix of like Rick and Morty, maybe some gross out humor, maybe some references to things that are a little off color. There's a nice moment where Brad is approached by this beautiful woman on this planet. It looks a little bit like he's being approached almost like on Risa, like maybe this is a an empath she comes up and she says i can sense that you like these things and that you're attracted to me that you we both like the same color red that we're both 
here for the same thing. And she starts to fully come on to him when Beckett shows up and literally uses a hose to spray this woman down to get her (laughs) off of him. And when she stands back up, Brad's response is, why did you do that? Like I was having this great connection with her and she's like, that's an alien. She was going to plant eggs in your throat. And the woman stands up and has clearly morphed into like a lizard woman. And she's, and she's hissing at them and says like, you still want it. You still want it. And then scurries literally up the side of a building and disappears as, as they're trying to spray her with the hose. It's humor like that, but it still feels like Star Trek because they are doing Star Trek jobs. They are, going into Jeffrey's tubes. They're carrying around chai quarters. They are doing stuff that is Trek like, and it is smartly written to incorporate enough of the Trek in it to feel Trek. And as I'm watching it, the way you and I were just talking about strange new worlds and how it evoked the original series feeling Mm -hmm. in watching lower decks, I actually found myself thinking like, this is making me feel like I'm watching next generation. It feels very much of the same universe and my favorite joke so far is one that you could watch very easily just start up any episode and watch the opening title sequence it looks like you're watching the title sequence from voyager or next generation (laughs) it's the ship it looks like the opening title sequence from strange new worlds it is the ship going across in front of an ice planet the ship flying away from you know, a, a beautiful vista, but as it is doing these things, as it is, as it is flying over the ice planet, it inadvertently hits a <laughs> peak of an ice mountain and it knocks out one of the nacelles and the power starts to fluctuate on the entire ship and it kind of like veers off camera. And then there's a sequence of Borg ships that are fighting a Romulan fleet. And here comes the main ship of the series and when it sees that it's the Romulans fighting the Borg, it turns around and flies the other direction. It is <laughs> full of these sequences that just completely undo the majesty of what the visuals look so, like. So I got to watch this show. I've heard so many people recommend it. Uh, it's been recommended, recommended to me numerous times. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. But I've watched the other animated show, the Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy. And I've watched all like the discovery and all that kind of stuff. The one thing I kind of want to say globally is I think collectively as Trek fans, we need to be comfortable with the idea that not every Star Trek show that they put out has to feel like classic Trek. Yeah. And I like that they're not doing that. They are, they're, they're pushing the boundaries as to what Trek can be. And by doing this, they're going to be expanding their audience and get more people into the Star Trek universe. And some people will only like Star Trek. Like kids will love Star Trek Prodigy, but it doesn't feel like classic Trek, but it's Trek enough. It's Trek Mm -hmm. adjacent and I had fun with it. It's Lower Deck sounds the same way in a different direction, that Rick and Morty vibe in the Star Trek universe. I want to see them do more of this. I want to see them to try different things. I was worried that everything they were going to do was going to be the J.J. Abrams style Star Trek. They're not doing that. They're, They're doing a kind of a, a really wide variety of things. And I'm excited to see what they do next because if they can keep delivering us things like Strange New Worlds and giving us stuff like Lower Decks, it's like, yeah, have at it. Go nuts. It doesn't mean I have to watch it all. It's like, I'm going to watch the ones that resonate with me, 
but I would much rather have more people into the Trek universe than fewer. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that that kind of staking out of different territory is not only good for a, a franchise like Star Trek, but it's, I think it's on display in the Marvel movies yes. and TV shows right now where the, the movies seem to be telling a, we're heading toward another version of an Avengers like super group, the team coming together to do a thing. The way they're building that team is with series that have different takes on what the tone of the show might be. And I appreciate mm -hmm. that. You can have a Moon Knight, which is more psychologically driven, showing somebody dealing with effectively a, a demonstration of mental illness and a show like She-Hulk that has been now teased out as it is arguably going to be a sitcom. It is going to have an Ally McBeal style of of she's a lawyer and it's mixed in with this comedy of she's also going to be the cousin of 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 Dr. Banner. So it's you get a different audience and lead them to the same promised land. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now with these different Star Trek shows of yep. you want the Abrams version. We've got discovery. You want the classic feel. We've got this uh, strange new worlds. You want something that's just kind of a mixture of comedy and sci-fi. We've got this and we've got stuff for the kids. I think it's very smart to build all these things out in these different ways. So, yep. so listeners, I hope you've enjoyed what is basically a typical conversation between Matt and me. Please let us know what you think. You can find the contact information in the usual places. And we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you again for your support. And to those people thank you. who, yeah, thank you to everybody for your support. And to those people who are getting a sample of this in our main feed, we hope you'll think about just supporting us directly and you'll be getting more of this kind of discussion in the future if you do. So thanks once again for checking us out and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.